how are you guys doing out in Geek Vibes Nation? This is your pal Dane on another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And yes, that was a hurricane theme technically, but mainly I was playing that uh, because of the late, great Rosie and Hawaii part of the family that we know from all these amazing wrestlers that have come out of it, like Yokozuna, The Rock, Yumaga, uh, Rikishi, and so forth. He passed away, uh, congestive heart failure, and he was only 47 years old. And I just kind of want to start off the show and say, rest in peace, Rosie. He was a lot of fun to watch in the ring. I remember him with three-minute warning. And also, you know, being the big singles wrestler with the Hurricane, and since he was a wrestling hero, I thought the theme was fitting. But let's not get so sobby and stuff. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We've got a great episode tonight, and I'm very happy that you guys are joining us. Um, I am with my co-host, Christopher. How are you, and um, how's your week been, man? Man, week's been awesome. I uh, just pumped out a workout. I'm ready, I'm ready for the show. What's up, Geek Vibe Nation? What's up? What's up? Well, uh, today we're going to do things a little bit differently. We have no guest. Uh, Juwan's going to be joining us shortly. And we thought we'd, you know, just try some stuff. We're, we're, we've been trying new stuff. And if you guys got feedback, definitely let us know what you've liked. Um, I, I think I'm going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly type of concept again in the future. Not so many stuff with Ron Smackdown tonight. They were much shorter and condensed, as, at least as it far, you know, comes to talking about it. So we will be going over that. We've got some we got a topic that we want to talk about that's been pretty big. Uh, two questions that are viewer-submitted, or I should say listener-submitted. You guys aren't watching us. That'd be kind of weird if you were at that point. Um, and then we'll go from there and start going over the uh, show. And uh, does, that sound, does that sound lovely to you, Chris? Are you excited? Sounds, sounds amazing, man. All right, and remember, if you guys want to ask a question, call in at 929 You'll be on hold at that point and just listening. Press 1 to join us. You'll ask a question. We'll talk a little bit. And uh, maybe these topics that we're about to go over are questions you guys can chime in on. Um, this first one comes uh, from a situation that happened at an amazing uh, match over in New Japan between Shibata and Okada, in which uh, Shibata, who is a trained MMA fighter, uh, incredible in the ring, uh, very, very stiff, but that's – something that New Japan's known for, uh, you know, strong style kind of comes from Japan originally. Um, so it makes sense that that's their, their fighting style. I mean, you know, a lot of the guys that were around, you know, in New Japan back in the day knew a lot of the people that were in Pride, and, you know, I, I, the styles translate together. Uh, but the main point about this uh, is that Shibata suffered a I, – I, I forgot what the medical term is, and I'm sure Chris will be able to tell me right away once he starts talking – Maybe he won't. I don't know. But basically bleeding on the brain because of a huge headbutt he gave Okada and started bleeding directly afterwards. And his career might be over. So I'm going to pass it to Chris uh, with the question. Going forward, should New Japan Pro Wrestling consider toning down their hard-hitting style to preserve their talent? Maybe in a way that WWE did it after the Attitude Era with taking down the amounts of headshots with chairs to where now there's none. And a lot, a lot of stuff like that with direct head hits. How do you feel about that? Chris? The thing that's so unfortunate about uh, the Okada Shibata match is that it's a match that didn't need that spot. He could have easily threw a hand on the headbutt, headbutted his thumb, and got the same reaction as far as like TV goes. Um, from the crowd standpoint, I've heard that it was a brutal like thud. It was heard throughout the arena. 
I mean, he really laid into it. And the issue becomes, luckily, only, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say luckily, but Shibata was hurt, but he headbutted Okada. So it could have went worse for both of them. I mean, you could have an issue where your, your champion, the, the face of New Japan, essentially, at the moment, is out um, forever, you know, in the same situation. He suffered a subdural hematoma, which uh, a wrestler in New Japan had died from not, not that long ago from a, a similar, similar situation. And uh, a few months ago, there was also a, uh, a spot which is going to affect the media where a uh, wrestler broke his neck on a, a botched DDT. So from a heat standpoint from the fans, I think you're going to see them dial back the strikes as far as the head goes. New Japan's always going to work stiff. I mean, specifically Okada. Um, just the risks they seem to be taking in these big matches are, are unnecessary for what they are. For instance, in the uh, Omega-Okada match, there was that dragon suplex off the top rope that was very, very dangerous, as well as a, a table spot. Now, both those moments had become iconic. And in the same sense, when the Shibata thing happened, I mean, it was all over the Internet. Like People loved it. It's great. So there's a fine line there before as far as dialing things back, you don't want to dial it too far back where it feels like um, WWE and it, it's soft because the New Japan crowd is just so different than the uh, American crowd and what they've accepted as professional wrestling over here. So uh, the answer to that is yes and no. I doubt you'll see any straight headbutts like that um, for a long time, if not ever. But it's a sad situation. He, was, he had lost feeling in parts of his body. Um, according to Dave Meltzer and the people that he had talked to that were friends of Shibata, and his career might be over as far as a professional wrestler goes, just from throwing a stiff headbutt. It's something you should see in professional fighting, even though it's the terrible side of professional fighting. But at the end of the day, wrestling is a work. I mean, it's art between two professional wrestlers, and you've got to be able to take care of yourself and, above all, take care of your opponent. So they just, it's, a, it's a fine line but they definitely need to dial it back a little bit with the headbutts and, and fierce strikes to the head. As much as I hate to say that, because I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's got to be dialed back a bit, especially after this. Shibata was getting a big push, and that's, I think, will be over. I, I doubt you'll see him come back to the ring. I, it would be really hard-pressed to get a clearance, I would think, after something like that. You there, Dan? Dan, are you still hey, there? Hey, sorry about that. Hey, no, yeah, for, I, I forgot I muted myself. So anyways, uh, while we had dead air for no reason, <laughs> uh, don't you guys love live stuff? It's great. Anyways, what I was saying is that I think it's very unfortunate, and I think the audience do have a prestige of, of, of really uh, appreciating at a different level uh, the amount of that, that, that wrestlers put on the line, you know, not saying that they don't in the U S but in Japan, it's like a different breed of concept. And it's not just, it's man, you have a bird out there that really hates your guts. Like, I think he wants to fight you, Chris. I'll be worried about him. Uh, anyways, uh, what and what a BB gun. I mean, I love animals. Do not do that. That's horrible. Anyways. Uh, but, yeah, I just I, I just find it's not even the head head uh, you know 
butt and like the stuff to the head, the stuff to the neck, all those tiger suplexes, the ones up the top ropes that, or the ones that are directly on the neck, like it's crazy what they can get away with. Uh, maybe because I'm used to our standards, obviously with the WWE and stuff like that. But even in ECW, it's like they were brutal and they ripped each other to shreds. But like direct drops on the head and stuff like that happened, but it usually was an accident and not something, you know, preconceived and, and planning to do that. So. I love watching New Japan. It's it's amazing because you're right. It's 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 exciting. Uh, they 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 go all out and they're doing this performance, but giving it such a great edge by actually really fighting each other. I mean, you know, nothing like I said. They don't WWE, but it's 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 different. It's it's at a different level. So they're gonna have to switch some stuff up. I think if. Like, I'm worried about Okada, man. He's been dropped a lot. I know that he has a strong neck and he's a strong guy, but there's just so much that you can do, you know, to shorten your career. And I, I feel like they're kind of forcibly taking their young talent and they're not going to have the, you know, uh, Antonio Inoki or the uh, Fujinami type of concept where they can, you know, do this late into their life. I mean, maybe because I guess they went through the same type of procedure, but I have to assume that modern stuff, there's way more risks. There's way more crazy things that they do. Um, but, yeah, um, I'll let you have, obviously, any final statements you want to talk about this before we move on with our two questions that we have this week. Yeah, I mean, the main thing is I just want to send well wishes to Shibata and his friends and family um, most often. And, and then as far as the style goes, I think I pretty much said everything that I could say about it. Um, they got to protect each other and – it, you got You can work stiff, but work safe. I mean, Stan Hansen worked stiff for years, and uh, you just. I mean, there's just things about it. It goes both ways. Uh, it's just unfortunate because it was already a five-star match without the spot, which makes it yep. a little worse. So I'll back the risk a little bit. You know, be safe. You can still have good matches. I mean, Okada's going to have a good match with pretty much anyone, um, but I think he's going above and beyond, and maybe it's not necessary in some of these situations. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. I just don't want to see something really tragic happen in the ring uh, because of just, like, one false step in a wrong direction and then, like, a suplex, you know, ends up with someone being paralyzed or something like that. Maybe I'm just thinking negatively, but, you know, it's... it's watch watch a match from New Japan if you don't know what I'm talking about and tell me it's not scary. So, anyways, we're going to go on and move on to our questions. Uh, that we have this week. Uh, I think Juwan is here, so I'm going to include him in to the conversation. Juwan, are you there? Yes, I am. What's going on, guys? It doesn't matter if you're here! <laughs> yes, that works. What a welcoming. What a welcoming. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you guys two questions that, uh, that people asked us either through Twitter or Facebook. Uh, that we want to present on this week. Uh, the first one's been a very hot topic lately. Um, I have a opinion that might be a little bit controversial. Um, it might be different than how you guys feel about it. Uh, but, you know, everything that's going on with JBL, uh, with the bullying, uh, especially uh, recently with Maro Inalo and everything that he's going on, I mean, if you guys don't know, basically, he, uh, he suffers from depression, 
And being from someone that suffers from bipolar disorder, I can completely understand and sympathize for what he goes through because it's not fun. Uh, luckily, I've been free of it, and he's been dealing with it. That's the difference uh, between the two of us. But getting back to the matter at hand, he's had some issues with the WWE, and apparently uh, from what everyone said, or what he says and what certain other people say, JBL bullying him backstage contributed to that. Uh, if you don't notice on SmackDown, JBL has been a smiling retard. Uh, he doesn't do anything except for just stand there smiling. He won't make fun of anyone, and you know he wants to. Um, but maybe that's the best thing to do for business. Um, the question is, though, should JBL be fired for past bullying? Uh, and that's not just with, uh, you know, Ronaldo. There's been multiple people that JBL has either hazed. Well, I have to say it. I mean, he could be ribbing them, which is a normal WWE custom. And I have to say that we live in a very different era where stuff like this does not equal out the same reaction that it would get in a past time period. But we are in a different time period. So after all that gobbledygook that I just shoved out of my mouth, um, I'm going to pass it to Chris and see how you feel about the situation. Should he be fired? Uh, in all honesty, it's completely un- unprofessional, and if he's not going to be fired, he should at least be taken off the air or lose a spot. Um, he's just—he has a major history of bullying. It's not—it's not just Mario Ronaldo. It's just unfortunate because he's bullying a man that does have depression issues and things of that nature, and he used that as a weakness against him from from the accounts that we've heard. Uh, all that being said, I mean, I don't think they're going to do anything about it unless they start to lose sponsors. In the WWE in itself, I mean, you know, Vince McMahon has bullied people. They've had bullies in the past. Uh, Hugh Morris, can't think of his uh, his actual name right now in the training facility, has done some pretty messed up things, and it took forever to get him out. So, And he's not an on-air presence and was never as big of a wrestler as JBL, someone that could probably at some point get into the Hall of Fame, whether he's deserving or not. Um, So, yes, but do I think it's ever going to happen? Probably no, for the uh, reasons stated. Fair enough. Uh, Juwan, let me pass it to you. How do you feel about the situation? Um, Well, as someone who did suffer from or has suffered from depression, um, I'm kind of like on the fence about it. If this is something that happened uh, on the air, I'm always cautious about that. It's it's live television where this guy's pretty much job is to come off as the bad guy, um, you know, uh, announcer. You know, not announcer, but you know what I'm saying, commentator. So, you know, I it's a very slippery slope. It's something you should definitely always stay away from. But, I mean, it, it kind of goes to his gimmick of being the douche, you know, the douche commentator. But there's always lines. I mean, this is a company that had uh, Mr. McMahon that I believe said the N-word on live television with, I think, uh, John Cena or something like that. So this is a company that always likes to walk that line. Um, but I agree with Chris. I doubt anything will happen unless um, sponsors start to drop. Well, the major concern that I guess a person would, would have is that I don't remember the name of the organization, but they do have their own um, anti-bullying campaign. So when it comes to that point as a business, I can agree with stuff. Um, I feel bad for Ronaldo, uh and what he's going through, 
Uh, like I said, I've, I've, I've dealt with some things. But you know what? I'm not you, – you can't – I have to actually have the opposite opinion, honestly, about the situation. Um, because a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing, not relating to this one specifically, but past people, quote-unquote, seem to have been ribbed. Or like, you know, Edge says that bullying is – uh, whatchamacallit, JBL taking, um, whatchamacallit, ba- uh, ba- baby powder and putting on his hand, slapping him in the ass as hard as he could in the, in, the, in the bathroom. You know, you hear all these ribbing stories from the old guys, and I'm not saying, when you're an on-air commentator, like you're saying, a heel commentator, of course you're going to say stuff. That's what you're trying to do. And it's, it's funny to have Kevin Owens and him sit next to each other on SmackDown, and Kevin Owens is just letting into everyone. And you know JBL kind of wants to do that because he's supposed to be, but he's not. And they're thinking about turning him babyface, and that's just ridiculous. I think that if he had personal comments with someone, but it was more of like, a, you know, maybe he didn't know or anything like that, or if this was a situation where this was a specific one, I still think a little bit to get the fuck over it. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not trying to be cold and stuff like that. But I wanted, from what I hear from... Jerry Lawler, who also has a bullying issue in the past, admittedly. Booker T and so many other people, they said nothing but nice things about JBL. Even Jim Cornette can't find a negative fucking thing to say about JBL, and that's crazy. So I think partially about it that maybe this situation, if it was really that bad, but I think that a lot of it might be getting blown out of proportion, and I don't think the guy should lose his job because of it. Um, I think that some of the stuff that people are now saying is bullying is being a heel commentator. Um, so that's how I feel about it, and it's it's a it's a very sticky situation. If you guys have any type of rebuttal, Chris, uh, go for it, or we can just move on to the next question. I mean, my rebuttal is this wasn't something that just happened on air. It wasn't him in character. He was a dick, and he was the same way with Justin Roberts, and it's been the same way with other wrestlers. And in modern wrestling, there's no room for it. This isn't the 1970s or the 1980s. The world has progressed in wrestling has progressed. So when you're a publicly traded company from the standpoint of people are actually buying your company on the stock market, you want to put the best image out there you can. So from that standpoint, as a business in general, they shouldn't allow any type of bully. I mean, there should be any... like And, and professional wrestling with heels. Heels are different. That's, that's a story But I mean, what, what... We're not talking about that's, that's on that's air. That's projector. That's what you're projecting, though. I mean, it's kind of hard not to have that type of image with a person that already has that preconceived towards the writing of the show. But this, this, was, this happened off the air. This wasn't things that happened on the air. But I know, but you said the company Different should, if he's you know. like, I mean, yes, he's an employee of the company bullying people backstage. Like, that's not the same thing as being in character. It, I don't it's know. not. I don't and, think... Like, the bathroom and sexually harassing people, essentially, while that can be considered a rib, this isn't the 1970s or the 80s anymore, man. That stuff doesn't fly anymore. Especially not with, like, I, commentators. That's not one of the boys. That's not someone that that person may not respect, you know, that 70s style of ribbing. So I get where you're coming from, but at the same point, it's not like this guy doesn't have a history of being a complete asshole. So... Yeah, but a history of being a complete asshole or someone who, you know, sexually assaults or friggin', you know, bullies people. Like, I, I just, I wasn't there for that situation specifically with him. 
and a lot of that other stuff, that happens in, in sports everywhere. And I just feel like if it was someone like John Cena or, or, or someone that, that's maybe not even babyface but has much more happier light, it, this would not even be a story. This, this would be done. People wouldn't be screaming about it. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, Juwan, did you have any closing topics or, or thoughts about this? Uh, no, but I, I do want to say, Chris, I, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, the point I was coming from was, like I said, if it was on on air, then that's just that's a gimmick, and that's something that is usually, um, you know, rehearsed. It's not just like, well, if I know you have a disease, you know, or something you're suffering from, I'm just make fun of it live on air. But if you're saying it's behind the scenes, there is no room for it, um, honestly. But I'm one of those people that. I you know I hate stories that I don't hear from the actual people themselves like JBL coming forward and saying something or anything like that because we don't know a lot of it could have been taken out of context a lot of it could have been JBL trying to be playful and it comes off as bullying like a bunch of different things can go into it but like I said I completely agree with you it's not on air there is no room for it um, especially in today's wrestling today's society. There's no room for it. But um, like I said, I'm kind of 50-50 with, with you and 50-50 with, with Dane. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily condone bullying, and I, I don't even like JBL, but I'm just saying the situation, from what it sounds, there's, there seems to be a lot more to it. Um, I don't know if because of all the stuff that I've, 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 you know, read about and stuff like that that's been thrown in my face, everyone on fucking Facebook, is enough for me to assume, yeah, you should get fired. That's, that's I guess, the main message I'm trying to say, because I don't think bullying is right. I was bullied. I'm sure you guys probably at some point in your lives were bullied. It's not fucking fun. Um, but at, when you get to adults, it's maybe, maybe he had no idea that he was going through depression. I have no idea. But let's get to our second question tonight. Uh, a little bit lighter note, taking away from that. Nice little debate. Uh, I think it's good to have a debate. It's good that one person was on one side. The other person was on the other side, and uh, Juwan, you were definitely in the middle about that. So I like that, and I can appreciate good conversation from smart people. But uh, the second question is, in WWE, and you can name more than one to make it easier, or maybe different eras, but within WWE's time frame, Vince McMahon, Jr. on, um, who has had the best mic skills out of all the professional wrestlers? I'm going to go first and list the three that I can think of. Um, I'm not – the reason why I'm not going to put well, – it's kind of hard not to put Ric Flair on your freaking list. I can't – I don't know if I can put Dusty on my list because we were talking about this earlier, and I don't know if I can – if we're talking about WWE specifically, Dusty did the Hard Times promo and, like, a lot of the ones that he was known for in the NWA before this. Uh, but, I mean, he's still – he probably arguably is the greatest of all time. Um so maybe, all right, I'm, I'm going to go Ric Flair, I'm going to go Roddy Roddy Piper, and I'm going to go The Rock, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, Chris, who, who do you consider? Honestly, uh, simply because of the, with the tear in my eye promo, i got to go Ric Flair's on the list. Um, Mankind with the Jim Ross interviews, and then probably rounding out the top, it's close, but I'm going to go Rock over Austin. But, damn, that was close. And if we were shifting classic wrestlers out, Austin would definitely make the list for me. 
Yeah, Stone Cold is someone I, I forget how much of a badass literally he was on the mic. Uh, Juwan, um, name some people that you consider great mic workers in WWE's history. Well, mine is, is I guess, more controversial than <laughs> than you guys. Um, I'm going number one, The Rock, number two, Chris Jericho, and number three, CM Punk. It's funny. You got Punk. I got Piper. They kind of got a similar type of vibe going on. All these guys, though, that we just stated, including obviously Dusty, too, are the best, probably the best mic men. Uh, I mean, there's going to be more, obviously, you can add in there, but uh, just overall, when it came to just direct mic skills and be able to pull stuff out of their ass, like, oh, yeah, my, what it is is what it is. Like, why did he have that teacup in that one promo? No one knows, but it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the biggest thing for uh, the biggest reason why. CM Punk made it to me is we always talk about how much the PG era was just, you know, it, it had its points where it was just god-awful. Um, CM Punk is one of the brightest uh, points of the PG era, and he was able to take the PG era and put a twist on it. So it wasn't all, you know, John Cena and, you know, and heroes and everything. CM Punk came and kind of made it made it his own. Uh, I, I, will, I will never forget the WWE walkout where CM Punk was wrestling and did commentary. Um, he was just, I, what he brought in the, the countless promos he did, even when he had the, uh, the group with uh, Luke Gallows, um, the Straight Edge Society. There's so many storylines CM Punk did, so many promos he cut. They were just all gold and all classic. I think of the PG era, I think he's maybe the greatest uh, on the mic um, of the PG era, and I think that alone is what is why I put him on my list. Uh, I didn't put him as number one, but he's definitely in my top three. I can respect that, and I definitely have to say that. I mean, people might disagree with me out there, but out of out of modern wrestlers, two that definitely come to mind. I'm not going to say they're in my top, but they're definitely the best of this day to me. Where two guys that just had a, uh, a big feud with a horrible ending match, but John Cena and The Miz both are great on the fucking mic. Um, you know, probably better than most of the guys on the roster, uh, arguably. Chris, can you think of anyone modern, uh, you know, maybe along with them? Uh, I mean, like Kevin Owens, not necessarily in WWE, but definitely in Ring of Honor specifically, was pretty fucking great on the mic. And then uh, one person that we haven't mentioned that deserves a mention is Paul E. Hammond. Uh, he, I wouldn't necessarily consider him modern, but he's been he he promotes promotes the shit out of Brock in, in those matches. And even when Punk was there, he like he was there helping Punk on the mic and doing good stuff. And he's always been good on the mic, so I just give him a mention. Yeah. Wait, Chris, I mean, to that and, and, to that I can go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, if you're going to say that, I would definitely have to say one of the best guys on the mic that was that was a wrestler, but not during his time at WWE was uh, was Bobby DeBrain Heenan. Um, I mean, yeah. whether it was an announcer, was there was guy interviewing for anything, the man was so funny and just completely on the spot. He had like something, he was like an intelligent Rowdy Rowdy Piper in a way, because Piper was right off the spot too, and he had clever stuff, but Heenan said something, and it was like, where did you just pull that out of? But what were you going to say, Juwan? No, I was just going to say I completely agree with Chris. I mean, I thought one of the greatest uh, backstage moments, uh, two backstage moments 
was Alberto Del Rio versus John Cena, where CM Punk uh, came in uh, backstage and kind of took Cena out, and then you kind of just see Heyman roll down the window slowly, and then they kind of just, like, drive off that. And then when uh, Brock Lesnar, one of his rare moments actually talking backstage, uh, he was saying something, and then he goes, now say something stupid, Paul. Like, those are just, Paul Heyman is always a part of just some classic moments. And those are some of my favorites. I completely agree. Paul Paul definitely uh, belongs up there. Yeah, now now I'm thinking managers too. It's like I gotta I gotta mention uh, what you call it, uh, Paul Bearer, another guy that's just yeah. ridiculous. Uh, you know, that's I think my favorite thing. It's kind of sad, but it can be if you can have good mic skills and decent wrestling ability. I will like you over someone that has pretty good wrestling ability and no charisma whatsoever. Um, maybe not all the time. Maybe I'm not really thinking about it completely clearly, but who knows? But anyways, let's move on. Uh, before we get into SmackDown and Raw, we are doing a great job of time, by the way, guys. We are just rocking this and just going forward. Uh, before we get into going over Raw and SmackDown, we had something that we were going to talk about. Uh, Ricky had a question about what indie wrestlers would you specifically like to see within WWE? And I kind of took that, chunked it up, and changed it a little bit. So I listed for you guys, um, and basically what we're going to do is we'll just go in a circle. Um, I listed 20 wrestlers, uh, that not, not necessarily indie, but like non-WWE wrestlers. Big names, a lot of them have been in TNA, Ring of Honor, some of them are currently in both, or one or the other, I should say. Um, and we're just going to go down the list, and I'm going to ask you guys, and I got a three different tag teams, too. I'm sure that Chris could probably at least figure out who they are. Um, but uh, basically, I'm going to pass it to you, and you're going to say Raw or SmackDown. If you want to throw NXT in there, too, if you really think that they would be the best at NXT, go for it. But, like, what do you feel from them? And if you don't know any of them, Jawan, you can just pass it. It doesn't matter. Uh, but the first one is one of my favorites. Uh, I know that me and Chris have talked about him. He's actually the one who got me into him because he had an amazing match with another guy that's on my list. But uh, Will Osprey, uh, the one of the fastest Brits I've seen running around. Uh, I think that I he would be really good with some of the talent in SmackDown personally, but he might be someone that you would definitely, because he's a little bit riper, a little bit younger, send to NXT first to get ready. Uh, Chris, how do you feel? I'm not sure on Will Osprey's weight, but I was thinking Raw and then 205 Live, maybe work a program with Austin Aries. I really like that idea, too. Juwan? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> That's all right. It's, it's probably going to happen a couple of times. Um, but there will be some names I can promise you that you'll know, uh, just because I know that you know TNA and they were through there at some point. Um, all right. Zack Sabre Jr., another badass Brit. He was in the 205 competition. Uh, he just had a limited contract along with another guy that's on this list. Uh, just People call him the British Malenko. Like he, his, I've seen him do some crazy transitions of people doing high-fly moves into spots where he catches them in some type of submission. I uh, don't know his mic stuff that well, but I know that visually he looks amazing in the ring. Um, I would actually... Try to get him on 205 Live, and I think I would stick him on SmackDown. Um, Chris, how do you feel? Um, probably NXT for a bit, and then 205 Live, and then that indirectly just goes into Raw, depending on how they want to build the program. I, 
Yeah, I but guess you're right. Some of these guys are light. Because if you're 205 live, that means that you're on Raw, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so he would, I guess I would have to change my opinion then and put him on Raw. Um, Juwan, do you have any idea who Zack Sabre Jr. is? No. All right, so guys out there, uh, Juwan's not losing his, his, his wrestling geek cred or anything like that. He's just, the indie wrestlers are a little bit different element. You know what I'm saying? Give him a fucking break. Do not judge him out there. <laughs> God. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Ricochet, I, 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 I'm, I would just put this guy on SmackDown. Um, I, I would like, to, I, I could see him in a tag team with someone. I could see him just busting up stuff. I don't necessarily have to see him honestly on 205 Live. I think he's a good enough star. Maybe start at NXT and then go to SmackDown. Chris, how do you feel? I know that you like this guy a lot. Yeah, fucking <laughs> Ricochet is amazing. Um, they could, they could do a bunch of stuff with him if they want to put the mask back on him. They could. Um, I would Puma. say NX, NXT and then go to uh, SmackDown. SmackDown needs needs the talent because I mean Puma's going to work as a face more than likely or Ricochet. He just kind of comes off as a as a good guy in the ring with his move set. So SmackDown would be a good place for him. Maybe work against like Baron Corbin or AJ Styles. That could be some some good stuff depending on you know where that lineup's at at that point. Him and Dolph Ziggler would have some badass matches. Yes, they would. They would have some great matches. Uh, just a fast guy in the ring. Um, I know you're going to know the next guy, Chuan, but do you know Ricochet by any chance? No. He, he's Prince Puma on um, uh, Lucha Underground, if you've checked out that at all. I definitely have to check out all these guys, because I know I'm definitely losing my uh, my wrestling cred. Now, you, you, you get the next couple, I'm pretty sure, Okay. Uh, one of them, this next guy is one of my top guys. I would love to see come uh, to the big stage. Rick, Fla- no, Rick Flair recently just said that he was his top guy that he would like to see. It's never been a part of WWE, and apparently he's been in the ear of people uh, in WWF creative. This is at least what he was suggesting, which he said the same thing about Sting. We didn't get him until a couple years ago, so whatever. Don't know how, lo- how far that goes, but Jay Lethal. I need Jay Lethal. I think that he would be great on Raw. I think that he's got ridiculous mic skills. I think the potential of having him do tribute characters, like not necessarily Flair, but maybe a new one, or seeing, uh, you know, the Macho Machismo type of concept, just anything. I think that he would just be really stellar. I think he'd be great on Raw. I don't think that he needs the NXT necessarily. Uh, Chris, do you see it differently? Uh, no, I, I could see him going straight to Raw as a, as a heel and being a top heel there if they wanted to do that. Uh, Jay Lethal's great on the mic, and he can work as a heel or a face, depending on what you need him to do. And he's great in the ring. So, Juwan, uh, how do you feel about Mr. Lethal? I think he should definitely, ooh, excuse me, should go straight to uh, SmackDown. Um, I feel as though he kind of brings what the Miz brings, and I don't need both of them on Raw. Um I think he works better on SmackDown, and I could easily see him once AJ Styles. I don't know why he's, you know, uh, doing pretty much mid-card type stuff, but once he gets back to the main title picture, Jay Lethal could easily take over the United States and rule the hell out of it. We're got a lot of prestige to it. I like it. Yeah. All right. What yeah. about what about the wolf? What about the Wolves guys? Uh, Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards. I think both of them are talented, um, and I've checked out a good bit of their stuff. I've really tried 
recently to watch TNA, and that did not work out too well. But, God, these guys stood out. I like them. Um, their their in-ring ability, um, both of them are different on the mic. I don't think necessarily you have to package them as a tag team. I think individually they could do really well on different brands. I would actually prefer Eddie possibly to go to Raw and Davey to go to SmackDown. And, I mean, you can note their past, I guess, within this, or you could just kind of like not say that much and kind of like replay it later on. Uh, but if if you could choose specifically, Juwan, where would you want to throw these guys? I have no idea. So I'm going to go SmackDown because it, it needs uh, kind of more flair in its tag team division. I'd say bring them over uh, together. Would you want them as like a tag team? That might be yeah. a good idea, actually. Uh, how do you feel about that, Chris? Man, I think I think I would put them on Raw simply because you can get the Revival versus the Wolves, the Hardys versus the Wolves, Gallows and Anderson versus the Wolves, and you can build that tag team division up. And yes, I understand that hurts SmackDown, but they not they may not keep a brand split forever. So like I don't know. I want to at least get to see the matches, the best matches that they can have. They can do some good stuff with the Usos and American Alpha, I guess, but that tag team division is a little depleted at the moment. I, I completely agree uh, with you on a lot of that. Um, let's go to Japan, guys. Uh, something that, unfortunately, again, I don't know if Juwan's going to know these guys specifically, but I'll throw all three of them out there just in case. Uh, one of them actually has been in the WWE, Kota Ibushi. Uh, he was in the 205 Live thing. Same thing, very similar to Zack Sabre Jr., where he had, like, a limited contract. He did the whole entire tournament and then came back. Uh, he's also known as uh, Tiger Mask W, uh, based off the anime character. Incredible performer. The only guys that I could really realistically, like, I could not put on this list. I couldn't put Okada or Tanahashi. They're never leaving New Japan. I don't even think that technically um, NATO would either, but but how about how about the NATO, Abushi uh, and Kenny Omega? I'm gonna throw it over to you, Chris, because yeah. Let's see, Abushi. Oh man, it would be so great. Like God, I just want to build the tag team division on Raw, like so hard. It'd be so good if they took someone from <laughs> 205 he worked the tournament with and, like, put them in a tag team together. Because that would be flipping amazing. Because they don't really have, like, small guys in the tag team right now. And you could get, like, a real, like, Paul London, Brian Kendrick-type flair if you had, like, a high flyer. What about what about uh, Hato Atami and uh, Kota Ibushi in the tag team? Atami just oh, came to cool. WWE. It'd be cool. Um, not, my only thing about that is, like, they tend to, like, stick dudes together too much that are from the same place or the same race. Like, it would be cool to see him work with, like, you know, someone else. The same I got gotcha. you. That makes a lot of sense. What about Omega? Where are you putting Kenny? Oh, man. I mean, Kenny Omega. I want him on Raw. I, w- I, want, I, I, I want to stay in like, styles for a while. Yeah, I mean, like, you could, Kenny Omega can go anywhere, but you, you put him on Raw, you, you could put him with Anderson and Dallas, and you got some fucking magic right there. Oh, yeah. Um, and NATO. Man, NATO would be great on SmackDown. In all honesty, he could take over that division as a heel. Like, NATO's 
freaking amazing and you can have a match with anyone, any body style. Like, he could have a great match with Corbin or he could have a great match with Sami Zayn or he could have a great match with AJ mm-hmm. Styles. Like, well, he has had great matches with AJ Styles. So, <laughs> it would be, I think he's a good fit, fit there. He's He's got, like, this attitude era concept to him, too, that I, like, uh, can't put my finger on. It's not like he's like Stone Cold or a DX member like X-Pop, but I don't know, his his attitude, his cockiness, his his sense of humor. I don't know if he knows English, though, uh, that well. I'm assuming he does because everyone besides us Americans know more than one language, so he probably does. Um, but personally, I would put, throw NATO on, hmm, I don't know, SmackDown sounds like a good place to put him. Uh, Abushi, I would put him in NXT. Um, I don't know if I'd take him to 205 or put him on SmackDown. Kenny would definitely go to Raw. I'd want to keep him and AJ Styles a little bit far apart. And then maybe on WrestleMania do, hey, our best star versus your best star. And that's one of the matches. And they have SmackDown and Raw, Kenny Omega versus AJ Styles, which was at one point, there's a rumor, guys, a rumor, that that's what Kenny was trying to work out for WrestleMania and the Shane AJ Styles one already developed. So, he stayed a year. I don't know if that's true. I heard it on um, on um, Going in Raw, a uh, podcast about wrestling, if you couldn't tell. Actually, it kind of sounds like something different, but that's all right. Um, but uh, my next person, Adam Cole. Give me something. Where would you like to see Adam, Adam Cole? Adam Cole, baby. Baby. Um, you know, I just put him in a tag team with Heath Slater, so I get to hear him say baby a lot. <laughs> that would be a, I mean, no, I'm I like Adam Cole. I like Adam Cole a lot. I would, uh, oh man, NXT maybe first to polish him up for WWE a bit because he he works a different style, and then uh, maybe over to, uh, well, it depends on how the rest of our draft picks worked out, but probably probably SmackDown. I would say he'd probably be pretty decent on SmackDown. Yeah, don't don't even. Pretend that any of these other guys. Oh, I guess we said, said drafts, so we kind of have to, because I haven't been keeping track of how many people I'm sending SmackDown or Raw. This is a nice and organized draft. That's why we're not drafting anyone in real life. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Juwan, uh Adam Cole, where would you like to see him at? I, I definitely agree. NXT first, uh, and then probably SmackDown or something like that. All right, this next guy that I oh, and Adam Cole for me, I think SmackDown would be a good choice. I mean, if you're going to do tag team, they're not doing shit with Ziggler. Him and Adam might be able to make a good tag team that's really, really strong and kind of work each other's personalities off each other. I don't know if you'd want to waste Adam Cole's, uh, you know, talent or momentum, I should say, but uh, just a suggestion. So uh, next one, I don't really know anything about Chris Sabin, but I've heard a lot about him. So I'm just or saving, oh, I should oh, say. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, maybe I should check out his stuff uh, from what a lot of people say, but Chris just made that noise, so I'm going to pass it to him right now. Oh, that was Juwan. I'll let Juwan speak on it. First. Yeah, no, that was me. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. It's, it's okay. I'm bringing him straight to SmackDown and just letting him dominate. Uh, he, he's, he's a, he's a good-looking, uh, huge dude. Uh, what, what do you, what do you, how do you feel, Chris? <sighs> I'm I'm maybe confusing him. Is he the guy that worked with Alex Shelley in the Motor City Machine Guns? Yeah. Okay. I would get Alex Shelley and put them together as the Motor City Machine Guns and put them to SmackDown. 
because the Motor City Machine Guns are fucking awesome. <laughs> no, they were. I'm I'm completely with you, but you wouldn't at least let him get a little bit by himself. Maybe oh, a U.S. title run. You can you can break him up though, and he can go for the Intercontinental title. I'm just saying, okay. like, or, or the U.S. title after the fact. I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't split those guys. They're both great workers. Absolutely. All right, so we have Alex Shelley joining the mix, and I think that is actually a very smart idea. Uh, I didn't know that he was part of a tag team, so now I have some more stuff to look up afterwards. <laughs> Thank you, Internet. All right, three guys from <laughs> Lucha Underground that I want to go over um, that I'm going to throw to Chris. Uh, Pentagon Dark, Shane Strickland, a.k.a. Killshot, and Mil Mertes. I know that he's a – He's a guy that's been in friggin' TNA. He's been a part of so many organizations. It's like a big guy. But those are the only guys I can see really doing well besides Ricochet, honestly, in WWE. Um, I would personally put Pentagon Jr. Oh, man, I want him on Raw so I can see him do stuff with um, Finn Balor and uh, Bray Wyatt and just bring some more darkness over there. I think that Killshot or Shane Strickland definitely would have to go to NXT, and I think he could dominate there for a while, maybe go to, to SmackDown. And Mill, man, him and Bray would be a lot of fun to watch. Or you could put him on SmackDown, and he can be the big monster dude over there. Uh, Chris, there's a lot of fun. Oh, man. Uh, Pentagon, I'd put on Raw. Uh, Mill, I'd probably put on SmackDown. And then I kind of agree with you um, about the NXT. So uh, I, the, the second guy you mentioned, I, I don't know that I've seen, like, a ton of his work outside of Lucha Underground. So... I'm not going to – I would say NXT just because I don't know. I got that. But if uh, we're doing Lucha Underground, like, please bring John Morrison back. That guy has grown so much. Yeah. I I will say the reason why I didn't say people like uh, Bobby Lashley or John Morrison is even though they've wrestled a lot, they're already in the WWE, so I was trying to go for, like – I mean, actually, I have no idea if any of these guys technically that I've listed haven't, but I assume that they haven't. Um, I think I've done a pretty good job. Uh, but let's move on. Um, I'll just package these guys. It could be a tag team. Uh, one of them specifically I think could be a main wrestler. Uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Chris. I, I'd send both of them to the NXT, in all honesty. I'm not huge on either of those guys. Okay. Uh, Juwan, do you know anything about Bobby Fish or Kyle O'Reilly? No. All right, well, we're going to throw them down a toilet and put them in NXT. Not that that's a toilet. I love NXT. But just saying. All right, the next two are just – I always hear these guys. They, they've gone all over the place. I don't even know how big they are, but they're big in the indie world. Uh, one's Delirious, and I watch one of his matches, and he's definitely kooky in the ring. Um, Chris, do you know anything about Delirious? No, not the Eddie Murphy Delirious. Uh, you know, comic. The Leaders has a really cool gimmick. Um, he became more of a booker in Ring of Honor. I don't know if he still books for them, but he hasn't wrestled in a while. So if they were going to bring him in, maybe he could be part of the creative team or on booking or something. I don't I don't know that he would want to work. But he's a, he's a great wrestling guy. I mean, he worked with Jim Cornette in Ring of Honor, um, and he's had some great matches. But it, that one's hard for me to place just because I don't think he's wrestled recently that I can think of anyways. And I, I honestly have no idea. Yeah, I just, I mean, I literally typed in top indie wrestlers and these are two guys I've seen a bunch, this one, the next one. So I had no idea. So I was, 
He could have wrestled yesterday. Um, you could put him and El Generico on a tag team together. That'd be fucking crazy. Uh, both their mask weirded asses uh, doing some stuff. Uh, all right, last guy, Super Dragon. Uh, Juwan, do you know anything about Super Dragon? Because I have really no idea about him. Nope, me neither. Do you know anything about Super Dragon, Chris? He was like one of the top guys listed. Man, I'm going to sound like an idiot if I'm wrong, but he's either worked in CMLL or, or AAA, and it's been a while since I saw one of his matches, but he works that Lucha style. Maybe I would say probably. He's a big dude. I, he's, yeah, he is a bigger guy. God, I don't I don't know. Maybe NXT just to learn the WWE style. They have a hard time with some of the Lucha guys, uh, like, for instance, Mystico. Um, yeah. But they've had, you know, good luck with other people. Like Alberto Del Rio is a very competent WWE-style wrestler. The style's just a lot different. So probably NXT yeah. to learn the style, and then maybe maybe, uh, maybe Raw. I could see him on Raw. Dane, I, I do want to say this. I do want to say this, and I wanted to, to hear Chris's take. I think it definitely should have happened by now. Uh, maybe he used to be a part of it. I'm not sure. I, I doubt it. But I always felt as though suicide, uh, he would have obviously probably had to have changed his gimmick, especially with, you know, uh, you know everything that's going on in current times. But I just felt as though that character was just somebody who could just fit right into the WWE and do great things. Am I off base? Is it, you know, do you guys not see it that way? I know Mick Foley didn't. Uh, he was uh, apparently trying to get suicide in the WWE for a long time. I don't know what creatively didn't work out. His style's really good, and I remember it from when I watched early TNA. Um, I don't know how much he progressed, and yeah, he kind of had the, uh, you know, the the thug type of uh, gimmick going on. But I mean, Conan had rocked that for a long time ago, or a long time, so I don't, maybe it is different times, I don't know. Um, especially if he came, like, with Chavo Guerrero, like, you know, being his manager, possibly, but he's definitely up there in age compared to when he would have been prime time to go to WWE. How do you feel about that? Chris. Honestly, I get suicide and homicide confused. Does suicide work under a mask? Yes. No. Okay. Who oh, worked you, you on suicide. under the mask? I, I, got ho- I was thinking homicide. <laughs> no, suicide. <laughs> Do we know who all suicide, worked under uh, the mask? He's there. Yeah, TJ Perkins is they, there. He's, he's like five different people. Okay. Ah, okay. Well, okay. see that. Well, what I was getting at is like a lot of people have worked under that mask, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because TNA is bad about moving people in and out. Same with like Curry Man. But the gimmick itself, I think, yeah. would have worked in in WWE. Well then, well then, if oh. that's the case, the most the most important question I had is, don't you guys think it's well past due for them to bring Mr. Kennedy back? I would love to see that. I thought he was hilarious as uh yeah, Mr. Kennedy or whatever, but I don't I don't know. I don't remember his in-ring ability at all though. Chris? His in, his Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Uh Mr. Anderson. Uh yeah. I think he had some politic problems with John Cena, so it'll probably never happen. Um well, but I thought that, I thought he had an issue to where um he had hit Randy Orton uh, wrong with the chair. There's, and there's that was a couple. One of the, right, right. That was one of that was one of the you know the the finishing pieces on him 
heading out. But I do remember something along the lines of uh, he didn't give Randy Orton time to kind of, like, put his hands up, and he completely connected to Randy's face. And that obviously did not go over well with Randy Orton. But, I mean, as far as his in-ring, it was, you know, it was decent. It, you know, it wasn't anything too phenomenal. But it was, it was good. Um, and I enjoyed when him and uh, MVP were kind of, like, tag teaming together when they kind of were taking on Kane and Undertaker. Those two gimmicks were just, to me, brilliant. Um, but I just I thought his whole gimmick is something that can definitely flourish in SmackDown. Uh, him coming back as either Mr. Anderson or, or Mr. Kennedy, but I think it's well, you know, time that they kind of iron out whatever the issues are. I mean, if his issues were with John Cena, John Cena is barely there. Um, you know, even if his issues were with Randy Orton, I think we were saying before he just had a baby girl or something like that. So I believe it won't be too far, you know, too long before he kind of takes his break. So Mr. Kennedy could definitely fit in and kind of fall in that United States, um, you know, uh, area. One thing that I'll, I would, I, Dane should look up from, well, it was a, it was a couple of years back. It's a TNA match. Uh, Mr. Kennedy uh, was making fun of Sting, and he dressed up like 1990s Sting and had a match against Eric Young. And Eric Young yeah. and him worked basically Sting versus Muda. So it's like move for move. It's, it's pretty fucking <laughs> hilarious. Check it out. Uh, his in-ring ability is pretty good as far yeah. as, like, WWE goes. He's a little soft, kind of like uh, the Miz, in my opinion, as far as, like, yeah, how his moves Yeah, very finesse. Yeah, but very it, finesse. He's, uh, he's not going to hurt anyone. He's a pretty good wrestler. I, he just – he hit an unfortunate time where Randy and John Cena were the top people at the company, and they both took unfortunate bumps against them, and uh, that's how you get your ass fired. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately, you absolutely. can't hurt talent. And I've already searched the match, and I'm, I, I plan on watching it right afterwards. That, I, that sounds fucking hilarious. All right, um, three tag teams. I'm going to throw out to you uh, real quick. And this is the last one before we're done with this. By the way, also, like I said, Ko, uh, Okada, Tanahashi, I would like to include them, but they're never, I don't think, they're not going to leave New Japan. I don't see them doing that anytime, uh, especially with Okada's recent words and Tanahashi's past with New Japan. And Christopher Daniels, and Abyss, I'd love to see them leave their respected place, but I also don't think they're going to leave. So that's why I didn't include them on this whole entire list. I would like to see them in something. But three tag teams that I had um, are the Young Bucks, the Briscoe Brothers, and Tamatanga and Tongaro, King Haku's crazy-ass sons. Um, so, Chris, where could you see these guys working really well? I think Man. they could build SmackDown's tag division into something good. All three of them, just put them there. The Briscoes, I, if I'm not, I could be wrong, but I think that they had a developmental contract at one point, and that shit did not work out. Uh, they're just a tag team that I don't ever see going to the WWE, just a lot because of their mic yeah. work and maybe some political things that they've said on Twitter that would offend some people, which is funny because we just talked about JBL bullying people earlier. But... <laughs> um, yeah, they're kind it's of a true. weird tech team. If I had to put them against anyone, like, I, I would put them on SmackDown because they could be your heel tag team easy. And Jay Briscoe by himself is, like, a great worker. Um, I mean, they're both really good, but Jay, I think, stands out in the tag team. The Young Bucks, they can go anywhere, man. The Young Bucks are awesome. So you 
they don't they don't need to go to NXT. You just put them on either brand, and that's going to make your tag team division like times ten better. And then what I got a modern uh, Ming and Barbarian, Tama Tonga and Tonga Ro, or Tonga Toe, I should say. I I honestly am going to walk away from that conversation and take a look at their work because I I don't think I've seen them work. Um, or at least if I, I have, I don't recall. And it's because it's, Haku was on uh, Chris Jericho and he was talking about his sons. And I didn't realize that his sons were in a tag team that were also part of the, uh, what the hell is the uh, New Japan NWO thing? The club, the Bullet Club. Uh, so I watched one of their matches. These guys were young and agile like uh, like Jimmy Snook almost, but they were as vicious as their dad. Like, it was, it was scary. Like they were, and Tama Tonga is actually really good on the mic. So I think all three of them, if you put them on SmackDown, the Young Bucks against American Alpha would be some awesome uh, matches. The Briscoe brothers now put them on SmackDown, but still, like, the concept of them going against the Revival and watching them just kick the shit out of each other sounds really good. Um, I don't know. I think that it could be a different element. And then if you want to do the Samoan versus Samoan, <laughs> you have the two, I guess, stereotypes, if you will, between the Usos and Tama Tonga and Tonga Toe, who are like what the Usos used to be, but just dialed to Ted. So either way, too bad we can't do this for real because it's a lot of fun. I'm glad we did, though, you know, just talking about some uh, wrestlers we like to see in different places. But uh, are you guys ready to go over some Raw and SmackDown? Does that sound good? Uh, Dane, real quick before we go, I just realized who they were, and I would probably put them on Raw to work Anderson and Gallows, which would be fun. But, uh, yeah, I, I just watched some – I watched a six-man tag team with them recently. Um that, a, that Omega was in um, this year, actually. So that makes sense. I just had to place them in my head. So now, yeah. Well, they got they got strange names, so I can understand if you you know kind of mix them up with someone else. Um, I think it's actually the name of their island. I think Tonga is the name of the island that that Ming is from, or Haku, or whatever. Um, anyway, Tonga let's keep on going. Tonga Dextrip. Yep, there you go. Let's go over some raw stuff. Uh, all right, so. Raw opened up with the recap of Braun Strowman's beatdown of Roman Reigns last week. Uh, Strowman came to the ring and said he was proud of what he did to Reigns. Said that with <laughs> Roman out of the way, he was going to tear down the locker room and prove that he is the monster among men. Raw's general manager, Kurt Angle, came out and made a match between Strowman and Reigns at payback. Uh, Strowman said it will be Reigns' funeral and asked him, what about tonight? And Angle said he, he's lucky he's not suspended. I kind of like that Angle kind of was like bucking, like not backing down, not that Mick did, but I feel like this is going to get further and further, and I'm saying this, where Angle's going to snap on someone, and he, it could even be Braun Strowman, and he's going to suplex the shit out of them and be like, that's it, I've had it! Because, I mean, Mick had a breaking point, but his body, obviously, we know as the audience and being much more invested in WWE and wrestlers, that he can't obviously go against someone, but like Kurt Angle, he could definitely pick up this guy and throw his ass if he wanted to. Um, but anyways, so, lucky that he's not suspended and told him to consider the night off. Strowman said not to play games with them because Mick Foley did it and didn't walk or didn't work. And he dropped the microphone and left. Good way to start out the show. Braun Strowman is so over. Chris, how did you like this uh, start up to Braun's like slow rampage in the big show? Dude, you want to know what the best segment of the night was? Hands down, when they showed Roman Reigns get flipped over in the ambulance again. 
because that shit was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still hyped about that. Uh, it was a good segment. I liked Kurt Angle. Didn't really like he he kind of put his foot down. Was like I'm not gonna take any shit. And then you got <laughs> you got uh, Braun just being like, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna demolish everyone in my path, which was awesome. I mean, it just further builds his character. WWE has done I, I shit on a lot of things that they do with talent. They've done a good job at protecting Braun and really building him, and he has gotten over with the crowd in the way I never thought he personally would as a like a weird face, like almost like an anti-authority kind of character at this point because no one can control him, and he's demolishing like top stars. So as long as Roman doesn't like come in and beat him at payback and kill kill that, like you can do a lot with Braun. Like Braun versus Brock is probably the match I look the most forward to. Uh, in the coming months, at least until they build AJ versus Nakamura or something like that. That sounds really interesting to me. But right now, like, overall, Braun is the highlight of Raw for me. I agree with you. Um, and whenever when he was standing next to Brock, he Brock looked like a little kid. Like, it was crazy. Like, he was up to his chest. Like, the guy is huge. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Stone Cold Big Show, Juwan, in this opening? Um, I I thought it was I, I loved it. Um, I love Braun Strowman. I thought uh, what happened last week um, not only excited people who hate Reigns, but it was just really good television. Um, I I I do see them kind of uh, taking a step back with Strowman. I I really believe they're gonna have Roman Reigns uh, win this match. You know whether it's by disqualification or you know. Double count, you know, or count out, not double count out, or count out, something along those lines. So it doesn't necessarily make uh, Strowman look weak, but I do believe that they'll have Roman Reigns win, and I do think it'll at least be, it, it won't be until SummerSlam where we might see a Braun Strowman versus uh, Brock Lesnar. Um, but I do agree with Chris. I, I do give WWE a lot of flack because they usually ruin great talent like Braun Strowman. But if they do it properly, this is really somebody that you could, uh, you know, make your new beast uh, of of Ross. It definitely looks like they're trying to, you know, almost pass the torch with the whole Big Show concept. And I have, I kind of have a theory, but we'll go about that later on when we get to it. Um, but anyways, uh, after that, uh, we had a match. Uh, Seth Rollins sat and on camp commentary for this match. It was uh, Samoa Joe versus Chris Jericho. Uh, Joe got Jericho to tap out with the Kalua Clutch. Joe called out Rollins after the match, and Rollins said, Payback will be a bitch. Rollins is getting better and better at the microphone. I don't know if if I really still buy him completely as a top baby face. I think he's on his way there, but if I'm going to be honest with you, there's several others that I like more. Um, but he's getting there, and I, I definitely like what they're doing with his approach. Uh, the only problem is that, man, Jericho got fucking just – that was it. He's tapping out. We all know that she's going to lose to uh, KO, or at least that's what we're thinking. Um, obviously, he's he's got a tour coming up, so he's got to be going from WWE pretty damn soon. So it kind of sucks that we know this type of information, but then again, I knew most of the WrestleMania card two months in advance. What are you gonna do? Uh, how, how did you feel about this, Chris? Do boo boo do 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 do. Hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you guys hear me now? Okay. Yeah, I'm muted. All right. Uh, 
Whew, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's kind of a shitty situation because you got to put over... See, I feel like this was a perfect spot for the Miz if they didn't demolish him last week. So that you could just, like, have Joe go over the Miz. Um, putting, you know, having Jericho lose directly before his match against Kevin Owens kind of shows your hand as far as how that match is going to go, um, in my opinion. But uh, overall, it was a good match. I mean, I, I always enjoy Chris Jericho. Uh, he took the cocaine clutch without tearing his knee out, so that's good. Right. <laughs> Very good point, John. No, I was actually, uh, darn it, Chris, I was actually going to make that joke. Um, yeah, it, it pretty much, the writing's pretty much on the wall. I think Kevin Owens definitely, um, definitely should take a break from Raw and, and, and be on SmackDown. Um, I, I think SmackDown needs someone like Kevin Owens. I just hate to lose them, uh, you know, hate to lose them on Raw and what potentially looked like Triple H building a, um, you know, his his stable of Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, and whoever else he decided to uh, to build. But SmackDown does need uh, a Kevin Owens, and I think they can do a lot of great things with him, especially AJ Styles, Kevin Owens. That could be a really good rivalry. But I do agree they did kind of show their hands a little bit, and thank goodness no one got hurt in the match with Samoa Joe. <laughs> oh, God, sad that we have to make those jokes. Anyways, all right, let's keep on going. Um, so we had, right before the break, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows demanded competition of their own brother. And one thing I'll just have to say is I liked – I didn't like what happened right afterwards. Uh, it's going to be another Enzo Morgan buried session, I think, from the three of us. I don't know. I'm just telling the future. Uh, but I like that they gave Gallows and Anderson some more mic time – these guys are hilarious. They're known for their mic skills. They're fun. They can still be fun heels that kind of have that type of weird, you know, uh, style to them. And I think that the revival being out, unfortunately for them, is a good thing for Carlson and Anderson, or Gals and Anderson. I'm sorry. Um, but anyways, they said that they need more competition. Of course, the the best guys to answer, Enzo Moore and Big Cass, answered the challenge. All right. We come back from the break, and uh, Gallo, basically it was a match, two-on-two, that was called. Gallo's put himself in the way of the bada-boom-shaka-laka, god damn it, to save Anderson. (laughs) Cass took out Gallo's. It it hurts me saying that fucking thing. It really does. Cass took out Gallo's while Anderson hit um, a sort of knees-first snake eyes on Enzo to get the pin. The club defeated Enzo Amore and Big Cass. Thank God they gave the win to the club. I did, act, I, I did not see that coming. I, I did not think that Enzo and Cass were going to job. I'm very happy they did. How did you feel, Juwan? Um, Yeah, that match was kind of like a sleeper for me. Um, I will say the one thing I, I took from that match is I got really nervous with that last move on Enzo uh, on, on the turnbuckles. I didn't know if that was done poorly on Enzo's part or if that's what, you know, it was supposed to look like. But that made me nervous as hell. I didn't know what was happening with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm glad that uh, they won and they're kind of getting uh, a, a better push. They just kind of need to break up Enzo and Amori, uh, kind of like they need to at some point break up the New Day. They just need to be broken up, um, you know, because Big Cass actually deserves a push on his own, especially in the Intercontinental I title uh, division. 
Um, and Enzo needs to, if, if you know, you want to break them up but don't want Enzo to go too far, just have him be his manager, honestly, because that, that and kind of, you know, have them go away for a little bit, have him come back where he's the manager. He can't wrestle anymore, you can say that. And he's just the guy hyping Big Kaz, and you bring Big Kaz back as, like, this dominant monster type of figure um, and have him take over the Intercontinental uh Title, uh, title division. That's the best thing you could do with those two. Because honestly, outside of the kids who who like the whole gimmick and repeating everything that they're saying, it's just as far as matches go, it's just not working right now. Um, you know, and I, and I can I completely agree with you. If these guys didn't sell merch, though, I don't think that they would be together. And I, I'm assuming that just like Goldberg fans and New Day fans, that they're out there. So. You know, whatever. Chris, um, how do you feel? Oh, man. Is it is it the weekly time for eat, sleep, bury, Enzo, repeat? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> yes. Eat, sleep, bury, Enzo, repeat. Eat, sleep, bury, Enzo, repeat. I wonder how much I have to pay Paul right. Heyman to do that for me. Like, just cut, cut that voice so we can throw it in the segment each week. I could fall asleep um, to that shit. I could fall asleep to this match. It makes you feel any better. This match is fine. It's, just, it's the same fucking match that they've had for like the past six times they wrestled each other. So it, it, this is more of Raw getting back in its paces. In all honesty, I would have put Enzo Amore and Big Cass against like Ryback and East Slater or something here instead. That would be great. Oh. I think I think they would work well together, and I think they could build a good rivalry. I didn't even think about that. That is not that bad because I don't know how long Slater and Rhino are going to have uh, as far as being a tag team. I mean, how old is Rhino, and isn't he like often in politics too? Like, I don't know. But either way, we exited that whole entire match, and we went to a segment of Ms. TV now on Raw with special guest Dean Ambrose. Um, Basically, Dean and Miz kind of went back and forth. Um, he, he, they, they, they had these comments towards each other that I liked. I liked the whole entire segment, but I do have a huge problem with this whole entire thing. Redundancy. But um, I like them going back and forth. I liked that Dean, you know, was called out for, for being lazy and complacent and that all he does is just, you know, he comes dressed like this and the Miz wears all these nice outfits and Dean's basically like, I am wrestling, You're, you want to be wrestling. They have that whole thing going off, and it's all about the Intercontinental Championship. Now, the reverse, though, on SmackDown, it was Miz had the Intercontinental Championship. Dean Ambrose didn't, obviously. Now we're to the other side. And finally, Ambrose uh, attacked the Miz. Both men went for their finishers, but neither were able to connect. Ambrose ran off at both Miz and Maurice out of the ring, and they got out of there. Um I like their I like their their mic skills. I like their chemistry. I like both guys. Why the fuck are they redoing this whole entire goddamn thing once again? This is rehashing. That you can be working Dean Ambrose with a better person, I think, at this point, to make it not so redundant. And you can do the same thing definitely with the fucking Miz, who is your top heel in the company, next to who? Maybe Kevin Owens. So that to me, I don't understand. I think that you're completely just putting yourself in just like a small area of space, man. It's not much space to breathe. So 
I don't know if that was my Bray Wyatt impression on accident or whatever, but uh, either way, Jawan, how did you feel about the segment? I <clears throat> I didn't have a problem with the segment, but I, I'm going to say this again. This uh, this kind of trade that they had, the midseason trade that they had, uh, what's affecting Raw, especially with this uh, rivalry that they have with the Miz and Dean Ambrose, is the fact that Brock Lesnar is the the world champ. And let me explain. What's messing it up is you could have had the Miz take the title from Dean, have Dean be in the world title race with, you know, Seth and Samoa and, you know, uh, Finn and guys like that, and allow the Miz to lead the Intercontinental uh, Division, and you can build up the mid-card guys to go with the Miz. So you can kind of have a different interaction because we saw it before. We've seen this before, and and it's not that long ago. But when you have a champion who's never there, you know, that's not even a division right now, the the world title division, you know, they have no choice but to kind of blend these guys because they're the top guys for the mid-card at the moment. So I think Brock being champion kind of squashes all the possibilities of you expanding these guys so we don't see the same recycled stuff. But like I, I said um, numerous times before, The Miz is amazing on the microphone. Um, and I always love to see him cut promos. Dean's gotten a lot better. Um, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the segment. Do you have a similar look to it, Chris? Um, well, one thing I took from it is whenever you hear someone call someone complacent or lazy in wrestling, that tends to be what they're what's being said about them backstage. So I don't yeah. necessarily think that was just that. That sounded like more of a shoot. Maybe Miz got fed that from someone backstage or something. I'm not sure. I think Brian Alvarez said it on his podcast too, uh, the Wrestling Observer podcast. Um, but yeah, it's a lot weird to say it about him. But it, it sounds like what happened is there's a couple of feuds that transferred, and the way the title matches are, it's almost like they did not plan to do this shakeup. Like it came last minute, and this is your repercussions from it. And I agree with Brock being out of the title picture. Um, that hinders your ability a little bit. But, you know, SmackDown has a similar scenario right now where the, the contender is technically on a different brand, and they're still having, like, number one contenders matches and stuff. So what they should have done is announced, like, Braun versus Roman as, like, a number one contenders match and then took it from there. So at least you have, like, a working program. Um, so right now it's, you know, that title is just kind of dead in the water. So I agree from that standpoint. Now, right now, your top title is the Intercontinental title. So everybody should be going after it, not just the Miz, um, in theory. So it, it's a weird it's a weird situation. Raw books, every time they have Brock in a situation like this, is kind of how it turns out. Um, but they had to get the title off Goldberg. So it's, it, you, 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 I don't know. It's like they're laying where they shit or something. I, I don't. Yes. I don't know yes. where to go with that. It's not a I good. Mean, th- not a good. Move. This is part of this is part of the issue of you giving legends titles for them to only hold it for like two to three months, you know, at, at a time. If that, or for just two to three months, then they're gone. These are the things that happen when you do dumb things like that. You could have easily just brought Goldberg back, have the retirement match at WrestleMania. The title didn't even need to be a part of the picture whatsoever. When you give guys titles that are never there, again, this is why I respect Cena so much. When they're never there, it it affects the division 
in so many ways, and we're seeing it. You're not expanding guys for them to have more opportunities. You're shrinking the opportunities. There's no reason why Finn Balor has to come out when someone's going, you know, you guys don't really know who I am because, you know, I really don't matter, but I want to fight somebody. Then Finn Balor comes out, beats him in five seconds. He should be doing worthwhile matches for a title. Stop wasting him. You're wasting him right now. But these, again, go to the fact that Brock has it, is never on the show, and it's really hurting. Well, all right, let, let me ask you guys something that's, that's on subject. We're, I was going to bring this up later on. Um, I heard the guys on the Going In Raw podcast talking about this, and it, it, it will never happen, but just as a suggestion for them to have – stop having this happen, I guess, as much, I would say. What if – and this is a big what if, so just stay with me. What if – Randy Orton loses. Bray Wyatt brings his title over to Raw. Vince McMahon corrects it, comes out, says that the the uh, Universal title is now the title between the brands, and that that SmackDown's going to get their own title, and Raw's going to have their own title, and that if you want to do this type of situation where you have a fucking guy come out and be able to wrestle. You know, for this one title, they can kind of use it as like a smaller version of the NWA title back in the day between the territories, where you have like someone like a Brock Lesnar who's only going to wrestle on all the big events. That's where the title can come out and really proclaim a person as the number one guy in the company, but still you have the old two titles, WWE's title and WCW's title, if you will, that lineage between SmackDown and Raw. Now, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but... Maybe adding that aspect will get rid of the whole, why are you giving the title to one guy to come here once in a while type of thing? Or the fact that I think that really the weight of the titles themselves don't have as much credibility anymore. I think the U.S. title, Intercontinental title, they're building up like they're bigger than the friggin', you know, Universal and World Heavyweight. Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm sorry, Dan. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I feel I, – I don't know, but I, I feel like this could be something that Chris wouldn't necessarily agree on, but I could be completely wrong. Chris, how do you feel about this concept? Uh, I just like the idea of adding more titles. It, it takes away from the value of your mid-card titles. So you're basically just creating yeah, a new mid-card that. title. So your low-end titles just become like it, – it, it, what it does is it shifts everything to the same spot it's in. It just does it differently. And they don't have a low enough card to support, like, a European title or something. So, I mean, I get what they're saying. It's a way to adopt it. But another way to adopt it is just don't book stupid shit like that. Like, Kevin Owens yeah. could have won the title by <laughs> disqualification. Yeah. Like, all they had to do was have Jericho hit a move on Owens or even just have Brock come out and interfere in the match and just paid him the extra payday. And then they wouldn't be in this scenario. They could have just dropped the title yeah. at Mania or whatever the hell they wanted to do with it. So it's you know it's just kind of a dumb thing and the and the shakeup didn't help it because they shifted people that are on like weirdly shifted people that are already in feuds with other people. So it's it's just kind of the whole thing's kind of dumb. And then also not knowing where John Cena is going to go and having Miz cut promos about John Cena like they don't know what the fuck they're doing right now after WrestleMania and it's going to take them a couple months to get shit sorted out. Is basically how I see it. So adding an, adding other titles to that, while it's a cool idea and concept, I think it just hurts both brands indirectly because then you're just making a new IC title 
in a new United States title. What you what you should do is elevate those titles by booking it correctly when that guy's not there, and then whoever has that title do title versus title match or something. Because it's a lot easier to put someone over as like, hey, they have both titles, they're going to defend the Intercontinental title, and they're going to defend the heavyweight title, and maybe maybe even you can book it as a heel manager standpoint if you have a big enough base where he's got to defend both in one night. So he takes one loss yeah. and he gets the win for the big title. So there's ways around booking that shit with what they put themselves in, but like adding adding an additional title and having someone do both brands, because um, at that point you still have to do appearances because people hate that via satellite shit. It just becomes uh, convoluted and you're just you're decreasing the value of your lower end title, your mid card titles. I completely agree with that. And I mean, look at. You say that, and we have the UK title. Uh, Tyler Bate has that title. Where the fuck did that go? Along with the talent that was involved with that title, uh, they had on NXT like I don't know a couple months ago. They haven't done shit with it unless they're doing you know house shows over in the UK. I don't know about where there's a title reign. Uh, so yeah, maybe adding titles is not the best idea. Juwan, really quickly, how did you feel about the whole concept? Honestly, uh, I, I'm kind. I'm kind of halfway because I would like them to to bring something and call it the Legends title, and you know they introduce it, maybe give it to Brock, and you know every year if they want to bring a legend back to for for WWE 2K, um, they have them fight for the Legends title, and the Legends title kind of goes away once you know after WrestleMania, then it comes back maybe around SummerSlam. They could do that, the Legends title, and let the WWE title go to somebody who can work um, live events week to week, um, and we don't just see them here and there. I think a Legends title uh, would do them justice, but I don't necessarily disagree with what Chris was saying. I'm saying, in theory, you know, just for the the conversation, a Legends title would, would, would help them tremendously. I think, I mean, if you were to do it in that type of situation, I think the universal title would be exactly what you're talking about. Um, and then they could have, like, a, a SmackDown, I guess. They would have to at that point. Because, let's see, if, if Bray Wyatt comes with that title, the the World Heavyweight title over to Raw, uh, and the universal title is now this title that signifies between both divisions, between Raw and SmackDown, you'd have to have a tournament. I mean, it's also something that you could do to, like, change up the aspects on television. Who knows? There's a million things that they're going to do in WWE, but uh, I, I, I found it interesting, and they even said, like I'm saying, it would never happen, but something cool to talk about, right? Let's keep on one, going one with thing the night, that, guys. Well, one, one other thing that they could do is put a night, like a 60-day title reign. Like, if you don't defend it in 60 days, you drop the title. You're done. Then you vacate the title, and you can set up a tournament. There's, there's a ton of different things that they could do outside of adding another title that I think, like, from a booking standpoint, yeah. they've done it in other companies, and I think it works a little better. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. No, I don't either. All right, so we had an awesome match. Dude, I can't wait for Austin Aries to be – I hate to say it's about the Cruiserweight division, but I can't wait until he's passed all that. Anyways, because he's a great wrestler, don't get me wrong, but he is so much fun just in general. We have T.J. Perkins versus Jack Gallagher. Neville made a special appearance before the match to sit at ring size, as did also falling right behind him, doing basically his own intro. Uh, the number one contender, Austin Aries. Uh, Gallagher got sent to Aries, which that looked really fucking 
brutal. Aries, I think, got more uh, slams in this match than I think Neville and uh, Gallagher and TJ Perkins. And Neville also got hit by Aries from behind. Perkins won the match by pinfall after a detonation kick. Uh, pretty good match. Not too bad overall. I just love Austin, uh, Austin Aries. I think he's hilarious. I think that, you know, he's going to get the, the Cruiserweight title. I'll keep him on him for a while and then eventually get him out of that and start putting him into, you know, not not saying – I mean, it, I, I try not to say anything less about the Cruiserweight division, but I want to see this guy with some of the main players. He's hilarious. He works great as a heel and a baby face. He's special, basically, to me. Um well, that's not a cue. Anyways, Juwan, is Austin Aries special to you, too? Uh, yes, <laughs> he is. Um, I, I've loved everything I've, I've seen from him uh, since he's he's come over. Um, yeah, no, I, I loved everything about the uh, the match and everything, and yes, he is special to me also. <laughs> Chris, do you have an Austin Aries plush baby doll stuffed animal by any chance? Does that do? I, I do not. I have a I have a TNA action figure. Does that count? Sure, that works. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I love Austin Aries. I've liked him ever since he was Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. So it's cool to see him uh, doing this these intro stuff. It was also hilarious. He ate a banana during the match. <laughs> like, while they were having the match, he was just eating a fucking banana. That was great. Um the match itself was good because it built a feud between two, you know, new superstars on 205. Not new, but it built a new feud, I should say. And it continued the feud with uh, Aries uh, versus Neville, so I think it did its job. And the match itself was pretty good, so. Yeah, it was a fun match to watch. Um, but uh, we will continue uh, as we're almost done with Monday Night Raw. I'm actually going to do, well, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll keep this one by itself. The four-way number one contender match between Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, Nia Jax, Mickey James. Um, towards the end, Jax hit Sasha with the Samoan drop, but Bliss drop kicked her out of the ring and stole the pin. The ending presentation was good to me. Everything else in this match was a sloppy fucking mess. Um, at least that's how I perceived it. Chris, how did you feel about this? Man, I hate to, like, continuously shit on Nia, but, like, every time she's in a match with other people, like, more than one person, it's just a fucking disaster. And I don't know it's because, it may be because the other girls just don't know how to work someone that size, which would be really odd for me because I think Mickey, you know, Mickey James has worked, like, you know, she worked Awesome Kong in TNA, so I, I don't understand why she would, well, I do understand Awesome Kong's a way better wrestler, but that's fucking yeah. neither here nor there. Uh but like I don't I don't I don't get it. I I liked the finish. The finish was fine. The rest of the match was kind of shitty. And also the fact that they're just dragging the Sasha Banks turn out for so long is, is getting annoying. Because now like is she gonna work against Nia? Like I don't. What are they gonna do with her? Is she even gonna be on the next pay per view? That's all. These are all questions that should be answered in in some form next Monday. I would hope. Juwan? Uh yeah, no, I, I cringe also. It's 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 hard watching uh her in a match with more than one person. Um but I, I love uh Alexa Bliss being the number one contender. I hope she wins the Raws 
women's title, and I hope uh, Charlotte wins the SmackDown title. I love both of them. Um, so, but yeah, I, I did enjoy the match outside of the cringe moments of <laughs> of uh, uh, what's her name. But yeah, no, uh, I, I agree with Chris. All right, so uh, we keep on going with Raw. I'm going to do two quick matches back-to-back, and we can talk about them uh, before we get to the main event. Uh, we should mention, though, before this, Braun Strowman had a – he was pillaging. He was just going up to people. Apparently, Goldust and R-Truth were going to wrestle. He destroyed them. There was one part where he takes, takes Kalisto and throws him into a trash like uh large thing of trash and said, you're trash like Roman Reigns. Just absolutely fucking hysterical. And right after that, someone comes up and checks him into the wall and knocks him right on his ass. It's a big show. Pick on someone your own size is basically what Big Show says. Walks off, and we have the main event ready for later on. But before that, we had, I'm very happy to say, I was also happy just the fact that they cleared him, even though I know his match was 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 short, but that Finn Balor actually uh, went against Kurt Hawkins. Uh, Hawkins once again he had an open challenge. Finn Balor came and answered, which I agree with Jawan was kind of annoying in concept. But you know they're trying to give him a shorter match, and match lasted probably less than thirty seconds, and he won from the Coupe de Gras. Um, very good seeing him. Obviously, he got cleared medically. Obviously, David Metzer and a lot of other people were maybe just, like, paranoid a little bit too much. I was, too, especially when they're the ones telling me that this could be really bad. But Tim Balor seems to be on the road to recovery, at least. Uh, also, right after that match, Jeff Hardy defeated Cesaro. Uh, both Matt Hardy and Sheamus were at the ringside. Uh, they had a great match. At one point, Jeff hit the twist of faith and then a swanton bomb to get the pin. All four men shook hands after the match. I like the fact that they're doing this babyface on babyface, but I feel like Sheamus and Cesaro could switch that and, you know, turn on them a little bit. Um, I like that Matt Hardy showing a little bit in the post-interview of his broken gimmick. Or maybe it was a pre-interview. It was a pre-interview. His broken gimmick. Um, And I feel like they're going to lose the titles, and then they're hopefully going to have everything, you know, sorted out with impact and we will see Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy go completely broken. So these two matches, Chris, how did you feel about Finn Balor defeating Kurt Hawkins? Weird. And uh, Jeff Hardy defeating Cesaro. Uh, I, I, the Finn Balor match was fine. I think that was a lot better spot than what they tried to do last week with Jinder Mahal. Like, uh, I, that I so I had no problem with it. It's fine. I'm a little scared that he came back too fast. If he's just doing squash squash matches for the next couple of weeks, then that's fine. But they should have just had that same match against Jinder. Like, why the fuck was Jinder getting any offense at all? In all honesty, which we'll get into that later. The guy's like 50 and two since or yeah, two and 50 since August wins loss wise. So like, he shouldn't be a fucking challenge for Finn Balor. Um, but for this week's match, it was fine. I mean. Uh, a good spot for Hawkins. I mean, Hawkins is just going to be there to enhance other talent. So, it, it was fine. Uh, what about the other match with Jeff Hardy and Cesaro? You know, honestly, it, I I don't know. I think maybe Jeff was. Uh, I wouldn't say taking the night off, but he's he's probably pretty beat up for all the from all the dates that he's recently worked because he took it a little easy. 
in the match. And the match itself was, was pretty good. There was a couple spots. The Swanton bomb spot, um, Cesaro took a bump. It was a little out of position and had to move in. So there was a, there was a couple things that are nitpicky things, but it was a, it, overall it was a pretty decent match. And I like the babyface versus babyface. And I think you will see Cesaro, or not Cesaro, but Sheamus next week kind of turn because you know the setup match is going to be, okay, now we got to do Matt versus Sheamus. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if you see Sheamus do some heel shit next week. <clears throat> I completely agree with that. Juwan, how do you feel about these two matches? Um, well, I thought the Finn Balor-Hawkins uh, thing was stupid. I said that before, so I'll just get right into Hardy versus Cesaro. I don't ever like seeing Cesaro lose a match. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but I just love his in-ring uh, performance. Performance is so much. I-, I just love for him to win every match he's in. Um, I-, I agree with Chris. It kind of, uh, that match on Jeff Hardy's end kind of did seem phoned in. Um, but I-, I-, I despise the idea of a baby face or his baby face, uh, especially in a largely baby face uh, era we're in uh, as far as the PG era. I don't ever like the idea of that. Um, I really hope Cesaro and Sheamus win the titles as heels. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, so that I agree with you guys with. But if they don't win the titles, I'll be extremely disappointed. There are two uh, main event talents that have been completely wasted and almost thrown uh, in the garbage, uh, if you kind of pay attention to what they've been doing with them. And it's just really disappointing because they're two main event talents that could carry the show on their own. Uh, so at least, at the very least, they deserve the tag team title. I agree. I, I think that's a very true point between both matches. And I'm just happy to see Finn Balor back. And uh, I'm happy to see Matt and Jeff progress in some way with, you know, within the ranks of Raw. Let's get to our last match. Braun Strowman versus The Big Show. Did these two big giant guys think they were having a luchador match? I mean, how many change-ups did they fucking have going on top ropes and then getting interrupted, and there was a choke slam and there was a punch, and I'm not complaining at all. I think that these guys really work well together, and honestly, before I get into this, if I were to do what they were doing to build this whole entire thing up, I would have two more matches with these big guys by, you know, some point in the end of the year, maybe the last one being at a pay-per-view. So they already have one match, Braun Strowman won. They had this match. There was no contest. Even if Braun Strowman stood up, the ring collapsed. Um, and they both gave each other whatever. I think that a big show should get a win over him. They should go to a pay-per-view eventually, have the two of them have one last big match, and big show puts Braun over. But this is a lot of fun to watch. I mean, from a standpoint of a fan that knows wrestling holds and, like, you know, maneuvering, yeah, it was a little bit blocky, obviously. These guys are humongous. But the fact of, of what they were trying to do, was awesome. Uh, the ring collapsing, you know, I think it had a hell of a lot more weight the first time they did it with Brock Lesnar. And I don't even remember back then if that was actually supposed to happen with Brock. Uh, I, I'm assuming it was now because it looks like it's an easy procedure because they did it with Mark Henry too. But they they take a stretch out of every so much, you know, uh, good amount of years, I think, to use it. And it was a good night too. I thought it was the way that the fucking the ref shot up and fell out was hilarious. And then Braun Strowman gets up and, you know, starts roaring. His music comes on. They have to, like, help Big Show out. And um, I think that Creative was mad at Braun Strowman because immediately afterwards he got a picture of uh, Big Show getting out of the ring and posted on his Twitter saying, I will never forget this, man. Thank you so much. 
So he broke kayfabe a little bit, but honestly, in this generation, who fucking cares? Because, you know, we have Flair going out and showing all of her stuff with Sasha Banks and them shopping and shit, so fuck it. But I like this match, and I like Braun Strowman. They're building him to be the next monster, presumably to take over for the big shows, uh, you know, going forward. Uh, How did you like the last match, Chris? I I liked it a lot. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty damn good match, and it's probably one of the best Big Show matches I've seen in a long time, man. Going back a while, it was a really good match, and Big Show showed some athleticism, athleticism with his new look. He, he seems to be in better shape, and I thought this match was better than the last match that they had. In all honesty, and the ring collapsing is fine. They don't do it that often, and. My assumption is they're they're trying to put Braun over big, so they might even sell like a Big Show injury next week, um, and then down the line they'll probably do something else with those two guys at some point. But I, I'm assuming they're going to sell Big Show injured for a little bit um, after the match just to help build the Roman Reigns Braun match. So that'd be my assumption going out of it. As far as the kayfabe thing on Twitter, I mean, when you have reality shows and, and all that stuff, it's kind of hard for people to stay in character. I think the one good example of how you should actually do it is, like, Matt Hardy. Because, I mean, he he built that character okay. off Twitter, basically. So he would be a good example. But pretty much everyone else is doesn't really keep K-Babe okay. on Twitter. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Juwan? Uh, I personally love the match. Uh, I, I love Braun Strowman uh, standing up afterwards. The ring collapse thing I'm fine with because it seems to only happen when two behemoths uh, face each other, and WWE doesn't have two behemoths face each other that often. So I, the last time I saw it was uh, Big Show and Mark Henry, uh, and that was years ago. So I, I don't have an issue with, with that at all. Uh, the one thing that, that bothers me a little bit is I, I completely, and Chris and Dane tell me if I'm way off base, but I could completely see this scenario happening. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. During the match, Big Show kind of comes out and just destroys Strowman. Um, you know, Roman Reigns wins. Then that next Monday night, Strowman's like, I want Big Show, whatever, whatever. They build that feud uh, larger to end at a pay-per-view. And then Roman Reigns is like, you know, now that I've beaten Braun, I'm the big dog, I'm the top dog. Brock Lesnar's music hits, and we unfortunately get Roman versus Brock for the title. I want to see Brock versus Braun for the title, but I mean, something like that, I could definitely see that happening. Um, I don't know. Uh, anything's possible. Uh, I, I like the idea now that you just said that a big show screwing over Braun during his match with Roman because uh, Braun did that with little re- repercussion uh, against Roman when he was going for the title. So maybe it would be kind of, uh, you know, Cool to do that whole thing. I don't know, um, but uh, we got we got yeah, twenty more minutes, and we have a whole episode of SmackDown to go through. So we're gonna power down this, guys, because I know that we have a little six pack challenge, and I'm not talking beer to talk about mainly. Um, so we'll go through everything else, and I'm gonna actually leave the first match, the six pack challenge, till afterwards, because there's not many matches. We'll kind of like group the other ones together. But let's go over the opening first. Woo! That was my best impression. Uh, the show opened with Charlotte Flair coming to the ring. She said she's getting upset that it's been a whole week and she still doesn't have a title shot yet. 
She said she's the queen of the division, and she demands respect now. Naomi came out and said that they don't have queens here. They have champions, which I love that line, by the way. She said she's going to give Charlotte what she wants because she's never scared. She said they'll have a match now, and she attacked Charlotte. A referee came down, tried to help out. Charlotte kicked him in the face and then got back in the ring. Uh, Naomi got thrown out, and then Shane, uh, Shane McMahon's um, music hits. I love that Shane's not concerned about his two female wrestlers. He still dances at the, at the entrance ramp. That makes a hell of a lot of sense, <laughs> but whatever. Um, Shane says Charlotte has uh, quite a pedigree, but on SmackDown, people still have to earn their title shots. He said if Charlotte can defeat Naomi in a non-title match tonight, she'll get a championships match next week. Charlotte then attacked Naomi and posed with the belt, but Naomi retaliated and ran Charlotte out of the arena. Okay. Probably not the arena, but you know, maybe that was a little bit dramatic for me to write. <laughs> anyway. But what I'm trying to say uh, with this whole entire thing, I like this build-up. I love the match between the two of them. Why the fuck do they keep on doing these non-title matches? If you win against the person that has the title, then you can get a title match. That makes your championship, your champion, I should say, look extremely fucking weak. I don't like that. This one, I can get around it because Charlotte's new, so maybe, you know, the concept is he doesn't think that she'd be able to take Naomi, but the, 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 the having a match to go against your champion without the belt being on the title to be able to get a title shot seems stupid and redundant. Uh, Chris, how did you feel about this opener? Uh, I actually thought the the opening. Are you just talking about the segment or the match itself? Because the segment was uh, was pretty good. Opening. I enjoyed. It. Um, okay, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I have no problem with with non-title matches. I mean, they've built they've built matches that way for forever. So I guess maybe I'm just adapted to it at this point. Um, yeah. But I don't think he, you know. There's other ways around that. It's better than seeing two six-pack challenges in one night. Which is like honestly, or like a fatal four-way, because they they kind of drove that into the ground. So at least this, to me at least, this was the right time to do it with Charlotte coming over, and then you kind of set up feuds for all the other girls, like in the locker room, or I should say, I shouldn't say girls, I should say women in the locker room. They're not like teenagers or anything. Um, but yeah, from a segment standpoint, I liked it a lot. Do you want? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. I, I like this segment also. All right, so let's build up this whole concept. We go in the back. Uh, Shane's going to his office. Natalia's there. She's pissed off that she doesn't have a title shot. Shane explains, well, you had one, and you lost it. She said it wasn't fair, basically, because it was more than one person. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, then we have Carmella coming in with Enzo. <laughs> God, I actually do like this whole pairing with Enzo, because the women are being, they're just picking on him. Constantly, uh, I forgot what he did. Tamina, but Tamina comes up. Tamina Snuka, um, and she just puts him right in his place. It's pretty funny stuff. They're all pissed off basically. Uh, later on, they have an interaction. And it kind of was like they're trying to go for Mean Girls, like hi, yeah, like fuck that bitch. Uh, as soon as Charlotte went away, and then they build it up to this match. And let me just say that I hope that I, I mean WWE's gimmick is shit. I, I would assume that eventually we're going to get the second-generation female wrestler match three-way between Tamina, Natalia, and Charlotte. I think that would be a lot of fun to, 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 you know, do on a random SmackDown in the future. But anyways, we get the match with Naomi. It's 
a non-title match. Carmella and Natalia and Tamina watched backstage as they were all upset about Charlotte's potential of getting this title shot, and she, she, they both performed great. But, man, Charlotte is an amazing athlete. Uh, just the way she gets up, I was telling Chris, I was like, I'm so impressed by the, how much she has, you can tell she studied her dad's mannerisms, facial expression, just everything. And, like, I saw her, you know, uh, what, two Survivor Series ago? It was, like, the first time I saw her on stage. And she had the entrance, and Rick came out with her. But this was... She didn't have, she didn't act like Ric Flair. And I'm not saying that she should act exactly like her dad, but it's nice to see those, like, little things like her taking her thumb and, you know, I don't know. It's just, it, it's really crazy to see subtract a female, basically, having, you know, more athleticism than her father, but also having those, like, little quirks. But I enjoyed the match. I can't wait to see the two of them really tear down the house. That one move where she takes her legs, it's got to suck being the other person because even though she's protecting them most of the time when she's slamming them down, it, it, your neck gets worked in that whole entire thing because it's just trapped by her, you know, her, her knees. But maybe I want to be, tra- you know, trapped by Charlotte Flair's knees. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Juwan, do you want to get trapped by her? I definitely <laughs> want to be trapped by my own knees. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. Uh, but, yes, to answer your question. <laughs> Uh, Chris, it was a it was a great TV women's match, probably the best one I've seen since Sasha versus Charlotte for the title when they had the finish yeah. out. The uh, I'll go as far to say that. And also, those two girls working together once again, fucking women. Those two women working together is actually incredible. I'm trying to correct my grammar so I don't sound like an asshole all the time. Um, but those two women working together, they worked one hell of a match. And I think Charlotte could actually – I think they may – they could probably surpass some of these Sasha Banks matches. I think that they're the, the things that Naomi can do in the ring, as far as, like, some of the Lucha stuff she does, is really impressive. And uh, I also really enjoyed the finish to the match where she killed the, the rear view uh, into the natural selection. So that, that was good. It was, I, was, I was worried that that was going to be a kick out, and I was like, come on. But they didn't do it. It was a finish, so I was like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I will say, Chris, having... you can go, go join. I, I, I was going to say, I will say, um, it, it's going to take a lot for me to ever say that um, Naomi can, can can work a better match with Charlotte than, than Sasha did. I'm going to need to see more. Uh, from what I've seen so far, she's definitely brings a different dynamic uh, to, to uh, facing Charlotte, but those Sasha-Charlotte moments. Like, I remember always thinking Lita and Trish Stratus was, like, the greatest uh, women's rivalry in WWE history, but that Sasha-Charlotte thing almost almost came really close to rivaling that. Um, so oh, I, yeah. I find it hard to, you know, I, I don't think Naomi can come close to what Sasha and Charlotte had as far as chemistry-wise in, in the ring together. I'll, I'll even take it a step further. I think that... Sasha is to Charlotte what Ricky. Oh wait, yeah. Sasha is to Charlotte what Ricky Steamboat was to her father. I think that their chemistry yeah. naturally is just presented extremely well. Um, and I do want to see them uh, together again. But I like that we have Charlotte and Sasha basically taking the women's divisions and kind of molding them further. Uh, and I I can't believe I enjoy watching the women's wrestling. I hate to say that, 
But back in the day, if it wasn't Trish and, 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 and Lita involved, it was a Braun Payne's match, and it was completely just, just dumb television. Like Molly Holly was another yeah. good performer, you know, but it wasn't like it is now where it's like I have to see these matches, which is amazing. Uh, but let's keep on going. We don't have uh, that much time. We got 12 minutes, but that's not too bad. Um, Shining Stars defeated American Alpha. They're not Shining Stars, though, anymore. They're just the Colognes. So Primo and Ethico uh, beat them. Um, it was a great match. Primo kicked Jason Jordan in the face behind the rest back, allowing Epico to complete a sunset flip for the pin. Um, I really thought that, um, you know, American Alpha was actually going to win, but they didn't. Uh, quickly, Chris, how did you like this match? Uh, I just liked it from the standpoint that they picked American Alpha to take the loss here. But um, once again, American Alpha worked a good match. It was a good match. Primo and Epico are good wrestlers, so they had a good match together. I, other than that, like, I, I hate the fact that – I don't. it's almost like that American Alpha has lost all their steam – um, at this point, because they've taken some pretty significant losses to the it, to the yeah. Usos, and they just lost to Primo and Epico, and you have to assume the people that they're going to book against the Usos is going to be the New Day when they come out. So, going off that, I, I, I wasn't too high on this match. I, I can completely uh, understand what you're saying, uh, Juwan. No, I completely agree with uh, with Chris. All right, so we got our last thing before we talk about the uh, six-man, six-pack, whatever-the-fuck match. Um, it was actually a really good match. It just sucks because I'm just pissed off about the ending of it. Uh, but anyways, let's get into this hilariousness. Kevin Owens, what the fuck? All right, so the face of America himself, the United States champion, Kevin Owens, comes out, coffee as hell. The announcer goes to announce his name. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Owens grabs the mic from him, says, you're bad at your job. Starts doing it for him. Goes over to the guy, the jobber that he's going to go against. Ask him what his name is. He was nice enough to do that. Uh, Gary Gandy. Pulls the mic away, and Gary grabs it and says, from blah, 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 Ohio, which, you know, they were at. Crowd goes crazy. Kevin's pissed that he did that. Kevin squashes him two seconds. Or, no, he's from Kentucky. Whatever. Um, He got him in the pop-up powerbomb. That was it. Then he decides that he's going to go and do commentating um, and tells, you know, uh, tells him to move over, basically, and, and make room for him. He was hilarious. I, I liked all of his banter. I do. Now I wish you didn't t- show me the Kevin Steen stuff so much, um, Chris, because I want him to act like that as opposed to this, like, I don't know, like Rick Rude, uh, Bret Hart 96 type of concept that he's going for, but it's, it's still hilarious. Anyways, AJ Styles goes against Baron Corbin. Uh, Kevin Owens sat in commentary for the match. The fight spilled to the outside, and Corbin backdropped Styles into Owens, which was a pretty damn good spot. Styles recovered, evaded the end of days, and delivered a a phenomenal forearm off the ring step that knocked Corbin into the crowd, and Styles made it back into the ring to win by countout. Normally I would not like that, but it makes Corbin still look good uh, because he did not lose... He lost by count out, you know, wasn't his fault. Whatever. Decent match. I thought there was going to be more between Styles and Owens afterwards. We didn't really get that, but it was a good end. I enjoyed it. Chris? 
I enjoyed everything about the match except for USA's dumbass timer for Team Ninja Warriors. It was like the show was going to end directly <laughs> at this time. So, yeah. So, I like, when it got down to, like, two minutes, I was like, okay, well, I know where the finish is going when he hit the phenomenal forearm. Um, Baron Corbin got better on the mic. We didn't get to talk about the interview segment, but uh, he's oh, I, someone's coaching. He, he, he's, getting, he's getting better on the mic. So, I enjoyed that segment. And Baron Corbin's grown on me, man. I hated him in NXT and his moveset and kind of the personality and the way they're pushing has kind of turned me a bit on him. So coming around on him and the match itself was pretty damn good. Um, and Kevin Owens on commentary, fucking hilarious. The squash match is perfect if they're going to build him against John Cena again at some point. Cause I'm assuming he's going to do these open face challenges as the face of the America. Cause if you remember, John Cena did an open challenge for the U S title. And if Kevin Owens is kind of gimmicking it a little bit where he's just squashing no names, it could be pretty hilarious because he can still work a big program um, in between that. So I look forward to seeing what they do with Kevin Owens. The Rick Rude promo stuff he hit in the middle of this promo is pretty pretty fucking hilarious too hilarious. after that match. It was great. Uh, Juwan, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I completely loved it. I agree with uh, Chris that that countdown uh, <laughs> was bothering me also. But the way that they ended it was really good. It kind of didn't uh, bury um, – Baron Corbin, while still maintaining AJ's uh, momentum. So it was well done, and Kevin Owens doing commentary is right up there with CM Punk doing commentary. It's just gold. I agree. All right, guys, let's go over the six-pack challenge. I'm going to get out of all the wording. Uh, but anyways, there was this is the first match. It was Jinder Mahal, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rohan, Luke Harper, and Mojo Raleigh. The funny thing I found out about this is that on the uh, promo going into it, Jinder Mahal, Dolph Ziggler, and Eric Rohan were on one side, and then Mojo Ali, Luke Harper, and Sami Zayn were on the other, and I go, yeah, it's probably going to be one of the guys on the right, because even though Mojo, I don't like him, they seem to be pushing him for some reason. Never thought it was going to be the winner, but we'll talk more about this. This was to determine the number one contender for the WWE Championship at Backlash. Basically, towards the end, it was mayhem. The match was great, had a bunch of great spots. Everyone looked strong. Sammy went for the hell of a kick, but the Bollywood boys jumped out, out from underneath the current ring, appeared, grabbed his legs. This allowed Jinder Mahal to hit the Cobra Clutch Slam and pin Zane, where no one thought that was coming. One thing I have to say, Jinder made a lot of fucking heat, so I guess that was kind of the point of it. But I'm going to pass to Chris as soon as this, after the match, uh, Mahal cut a promo about how great he is and that he doesn't care if people don't like him. Randy Orton came out and con- congratulated Mahal and said, that his prize won't be the WWF championship. I don't know why he didn't hit him, by the way. He's just, like, talking to himself, um, and that his present will be an RKO. Bray Wyatt came on the screen, bunch of bullshit, bunch of threats. That was about it. You know, Jinder didn't even attack Randy Orton, which was kind of weird. He made this whole entire talk about diversity. I don't know. Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you ramble on uh, a minute or two about this. So pretty much none of the goofs in this match have won. A match and forever with the exception of Sami Zayn winning his match right before he went over to SmackDown. So from that standpoint, I fucking hated this. Like I thought like the entire concept of these six dudes in a match together for the title makes absolutely no sense, especially because they just made AJ Styles the number one contender for the U S title when he's actually probably the only one on the roster deserving of a heavyweight shot. So from that standpoint, it was terrible. Uh, the match itself was pretty damn good, and the finish was awful. Like I don't, 
they don't even introduce who the Bollywood boys are beforehand, so it just looked like two random dudes grabbing him. I mean, I guess that's part of his older gimmick, maybe, or I haven't kept up with it. Um, as far as him getting heat, he didn't get heat because he did heel stuff in the match. He got heat because no one liked the booking of the match. Like, no one cares. So it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's, like, cheap heat and no one's going to care about it. And I don't – I honestly – like, right now people are hyped on it because it was a surprise finish. Like, they're not going to be so hyped when they're watching Randy Orton promo against Jinder Mahal and then have, like, a 12-minute match at a pay-per-view. Like, I can guarantee you that. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, and I think that when we start off the next episode of the show, we're going to go more into detail about this whole entire thing of the repercussions, and even we'll look at some of the positive things that could be from this. I don't think there's many. But, Jawan, um, how did you feel about this decision? It was stupid. It was stupid. And the main reason why it was stupid is because um, Randy Orton would have buried anybody uh, coming out of that match. Uh, Jinder Mahal just happens to be the weakest. I guess him and, and Mojo would uh, are the two weakest links out of everybody else. Uh, I would have preferred Luke to win, so you still kind of have yeah. that Wyatt family type of uh, rivalry. But this was just such a waste of – I even said this to you guys. They made all that fuss about getting Sami Zayn because they valued him and wanted to do big things with him. You give him a shot, and then you have him lose to to uh what's his name? It was it was just stupid. It was pathetic and honestly I'm not looking forward to seeing Randy Orton bury this guy over the next couple of weeks. You know, I have to agree and there's a lot of guys that I listen to, um podcast community that said exactly what Chris was saying, like it's new, it's different. You have two guys that were so over in that match and have been over with the audience every time they go in the ring, um, i.e. Luke Harper and Sami Zayn. And you just, you taunted us. You didn't even, like, it's not like gender beat Mojo Raleigh. Literally, it was like, Luke Harper's probably going to win. Luke Harper's probably going to win. Ah, never mind. Sami Zayn's probably going to win. Sami Zayn's then gender Mahal? What? Like, I don't, I don't get the reasoning. I mean, you can have a good heel. What, what a fuck are you going to give this chance to Rusev? I know he's out right now, but my God, if anyone deserves it out of the two of them, it's definitely Rusev, to me at least. I mean, if you want to do like this heel, I, I don't know. I, I And the whole Finn Balor thing, I think people have to take that away from the situation. I think that this was probably written before that unfortunate thing happened, or I'm assuming at least. Um, and that also could have been a situation where it could have been a little bit on not just uh, Jinder Mahal, but on uh, the way that Finn took the hit or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of things to that, but we'll have to go with this. Uh, hopefully Jinder gets better uh, in the ring. I didn't I didn't like a lot of the stuff that he said on the promo. I think it should just be he's a, he's a mean villain, uh, you know. We have, I'm kind of getting sick of the stereotypical I hate America guys. Uh, you know, Kevin Owens kind of doing that with the Canadian thing, which is a normal trope, and then we usually have the Russian – and we have either the Middle Eastern or the Indian guy. So, whatever. That's one thing that with WWE, with gimmicks, it kind of bothers me. But, hey, we had a pretty damn cool episode tonight. We had a good Raw. A lot of people said it was slow. I actually enjoyed Raw a lot more than SmackDown, actually. But I had fun with SmackDown and Raw. I like the shakeups that's going on. Uh, we don't have much time, so just wanted to thank you guys for listening out there. One cool little bit of information I found out. Eric Rowan, just to let you guys all know, getting a new gimmick. He's going to be an evil clown. 
So that should be terrifying. It's like Dink Doink meets uh, Pennywise, if you will. But anyway, for me and Chris and Jawan and everyone out in Geek 5 Nation, thank you guys for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You guys have a great fucking night. Peace out. <laughs>